Welcome to the Lone Star Keto Podcast. I'm your host, Amber. My vision for this podcast is to showcase experts in the keto carnivore community, as well as those who have compelling stories that inspire and give others hope. My wish is that no one has to suffer like I did. If you find value in this podcast, please consider subscribing and hitting that notification button. And as always, feel free to share. Thank you so much for your support. I'm Amber. Welcome to the Lone Star Keto Podcast. Today I have a very special guest and a fellow Texan. Her name is Judy Cho and she's also known as Nutrition with Judy. Welcome Judy. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. So you are a nutritional therapy practitioner. Can you tell us what exactly that is? Sure. So um you know, just to give you a little background about me, I, um, you know, studied, I actually studied pre-med for a little bit. It didn't work out mm. for me. I ended up doing psychology and then I ended up getting into business consulting, management consulting for about 12 years, got sick, did plant-based for 12 years, had an eating disorder. And then I just basically realized with kids, with nursing, um, you know, your nutrition and your health needs to be, everything needs to be in place. Otherwise things start to crumble. And that's when it did for me. I couldn't like keep up with the eating disorder. I couldn't keep up with the plant-based diet. So I found keto, found carnivore. Um, I realized how wrong I was about fat, about carbohydrates, about meat. I didn't eat any chicken, pork, beef for 12 years and had occasional fish, but I was my mental health was in the trash. I was depressed, mm -hmm. anxious. My moods were all over the place. My um, coworkers used to tell me, I wish you had a sign on your head that would say, what Judy am I going to get today? Right. And so, um, you know, and I just thought, and then when I went through like eating disorder facility and getting treatment, they said, yeah, you just naturally are, you know, a little wired where you have like low dose um, depression. And so what's so wrong about taking antidepressants for the rest of your life. So I kind of thought this was my lot in life. Anyways, found keto and then my mental health just rapidly changed. Um, I think the allowance of carbs then made me kind of like go back to my old ways every once in a while. And so that's when I found carnivore and the rest is history. So no bouts of depression. Um, I'm better able to manage any anxiety. Moods are so consistent. My husband's like, he was kind of against carnivore and then um, seeing me be like this for two and a half years, he's like, do it for the rest of your life. I totally support it. Um, he sees a tremendous difference in me. And, and then I just, the more I was learning for myself, I was just like, wow, we are so wrong by standard care. And then I wanted to share about it. And so I actually went to school as a nutritional therapy practitioner for a hobby. Um, I still had my consulting job. And um, the more I learned, I just wanted to give back. So my mom was still diabetic then. My dad was, you know, told to get on statins and just, you know, lots of illness around me. And so the nutritional therapy um, practitioner program is, um, it's run by the NTA program or school. And it's like a 10 month program. Um, I think it's a little different now than when I attended, but basically you learn online mostly, you do weekly sessions um, through Zoom, and then you have these um, in-session work, uh, workshops where you get to know the body, you touch the body, you kind of become a um, body worker where you kind of understand how certain parts of the body, if you touch certain lymphs, or um, you can see if someone has pains and how that's connected to a certain organ or a certain mm -hmm. symptom. And so um, you learn all these things and you learn everything to do with nutrition, um, how, how fats work, how the hormones work, uh, digestion and so on and so forth. And then I guess after a year or so you get certified um, and then, and then you have the, you have other opportunities. So now, for example, um, you can get board certified in holistic nutrition and you have to kind of go through these avenues to get there. And so that's like kind of what I'm pursuing next after this book and everything else, but. Yeah. So that's nice. basically what an NTP is. Um, it's not just that you're nutritionally um, certified, but it's also that you understand the body. You can touch a person's body and kind of sense, you know, where there's excess inflammation and pain that you can then um, may need additional support. Very interesting. I got a secret. 
guess it won't be a secret anymore, but I plan on starting that in February. Oh, that's so awesome. Okay. We need to talk, but yes, yeah, that's, yes. that's so awesome. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm very excited. I think it's perfect. You'll love it. Do, so yay. That's cool. Okay. So let's go ahead and get to your book because I want to make sure we get, have plenty of time for that. It is called Carnivore Cure. Why did you name it that? And, and why in the world did you want to go through this whole journey of writing a book? Because as a published author, I know the oh. work involved and okay. I didn't even have to do the little diagrams and, you know, the special pictures. So tell us all about that. Okay. So, oh gosh. Um, so carnivore cure, uh, why did I name it that? Because I do believe that meat heals, um, you know, from all my training, uh, from pre-med, from psychology, from my own experience, my mom's experience, because hers was more the physical metabolic health. Mine was more the mental, um, you know, I really think it is a cure, right? And I know that's totally outside of my kind of working scope, um, but um, you know, if you start with the baseline of doing an elimination diet with meat, or, and if you choose to continue to do so, that's great, but you can get to your baseline of health and figure out what all is wrong, right? One thing I noticed is a lot of people start carnivore and then they notice something is not working. And I think it's actually because you're cleaning out all the noise, all the toxins from your body. Now you can kind of get to root cause healing. So maybe your gut health, maybe if you're still having loose stools after six months, it's not that, Hey, I can't tolerate fat. Actually, maybe you need some work on your liver and gallbladder. Maybe it's because now with all the, with all that excess fiber from the vegetables and anti-nutrients, now your body is actually telling you actually your liver and gallbladder need a little help. And so, um, you know, not everyone can work with me. And so I felt like I get these consistent questions. Like, what do I do about vitamin C? How do you know that you're getting antioxidants? Uh, what about fiber? Are you sure our colon's going to be healthy? Right? Like there's all the, how do you poo? Like all these things. And so <laughs> I just started, um, collecting like all my information and I love doing research. I love kind of seeing like, okay, what is it about fiber? Right. Or what is it about, you know, like short chain fatty acids or whatever it is. And so, as I researched, I just started collecting a lot of information and I just thought, you know what, I'm going to write a book because I just would rather say, read this and then get your root cause healing or get to that. And I think when you just read a little bit about cholesterol or read a little bit about fiber, it's not enough to give you the solid ground of like, you know what, I am going against status quo and I am doing a diet that's so fringe but I know with certainty that it's right. And in this book, it has all the information to know that what I'm doing is right. And you can read it too. And then you talk to me after and you tell me why fiber is good for me. And that's the main reason I wrote it. Um, a lot of people can't afford to work with me. I'm only one person. But if I write a book, someone could read it and then someone can do their own investigation or start it and then work with someone else and then challenge that person if they're telling them that you have to eat fiber for gut health right they could literally take the book with its pictures and tables and so on and say are you sure because the the latin name for butyrate for short chain fatty acids is from butter but you're saying i need to get it from plants i don't get it and then you can start a dialogue right like these are all the reasons why i wrote it um in terms of just communicating i've always loved writing um i feel like i am I articulate myself the best in writing. I've journaled my whole life. And so I've always wanted to write a book. I never thought it would be about meat, but you know, it just, I feel like it was kind of God's place to have me here and do this. I mean, that's the honest truth. So I'm just kind of giving back. Um, I had no idea that it takes this much energy and effort and work. Like I thought once the manuscript was done, I was like, yay, I'm almost done. Um, but that was like 20% there. And then there was just a lot more. Um, I also understand that people don't like to read too. So that's why I put a lot of graphics and tables mm. to help kind of illustrate, to kind of see charts that, hey, you might not believe me, but now you know for sure that certain meats have vitamin C. And here's the graphic that shows the list of which foods have vitamin C that are meat. So when you tell me that you worry about scurvy or antioxidants or whatever mm -hmm. else, how are you going to refute that? You can go on USDA, look up those specific meats, and it shows the vitamin C. 
So I love that. Um, yeah. So the, the graphics and et cetera. Okay. Well, let me just ask you this. Are you going with a traditional publisher, small press, or are you self-publishing? I'm self-publishing. So I okay. had a publisher, um, a well-known one in the, the community of keto carnivore. Mm -hmm. Um, and they wanted to break up my book into two. Mm -hmm. And I just, you know, like I really had this like social dilemma of, you know, do I kind of give it to them so that it gets spread, but then I lose all rights. And so I decided, you know what, I've worked so hard on this book. Um, I expect people to come back to me and say, there was an error here. There was an error there. I will collect all of that, make the changes. And then I can send out a version two but I don't have that type of freedom if I were to give it to somebody else. Um, and so I've decided to just self-publish and keep it. I don't know if I'll ever give it away. Um, just so it, because it's my baby, because it's my first book. And um, yeah, I just wanted to have full freedom of whatever I want to do with the book. And that's um, by doing it in-house, it's allowed me. Um, but the traditional methods lately I've seen with like Amazon and um, these other kind of companies that print your book for you um the book is so expensive for color like if i went that way yeah. um, i would that be was gonna be a question <laughs> yeah so uh, again i had no idea um i would lose money for every single book i sold if i printed through amazon and so we had to go through a real um through a, like a normal like printing company it's just but that we're like you know putting up all the cost and everything, but I just felt like it had to be in color. Like you're not going to want mm. to see a ribeye in black and white and be like, yes, that makes sense. Right. Like you need the color, you need the full effect. And I mean, you know, it's for the community. I think it's um, a great resource. Like even if you don't like all the text or don't agree with it, there's certain graphics and tables that you just can't refute that it's from the USDA, which we consider is like the gold standard. So there it is. Right. I love it. And good for you, sister. Yeah. You. I, I had also that issue of not wanting to give away my control of not having the option of, you know, using my own title or having to make changes that I don't believe in. Yes. So good for you, but it's rough. It can be a little bit tough. Um, but yeah, good for yeah. you. Thank okay. You. So where is this going to be available? Is it just going to be on your website or are you going to put it on Amazon? So it'll be on Amazon. We actually okay. wanted to pre-sale on Amazon, but Amazon's made, they are just like this um, big, I don't know, but um, th they won't let new authors now pre-sale on um, Amazon. So we we're like, we don't know how to do the pre-sale. So that's why we decided to just do the pre-sale in-house, um, at least for the paperback. But the ebook is on pre-sale on Amazon. And then, so then on December 2nd, when it goes live, um, the book can be purchased on Amazon ebook and the paperback, or you could still buy the paperback through us. Um, and then eventually we'll have an audio book. It's slated for 2021, just lots going on. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, believe me. I get it. I understand. But, but good for you. I mean, that's awesome. And I do know how expensive color is. Believe me. I know. Yeah. yeah. My, um, my designer was like, are you sure you want to do color? Because it's a lot more. And I was like, yeah, why wouldn't I? And then once we got to the page count and then did the math and I was like, basically every option we had was getting becoming unavailable it's like unless we gave the book away with our cost um yeah it, it was just crazy so yeah but it worked it out is. it is okay here here's the thing that people don't really understand they think oh you sell a book you're making tons of money but it doesn't really work that way yes. especially not right now the way publishing is going it's just not because authors don't make crap Trust me, I know. I mean, there are a few that hit, of course, you know, and I know some in our community are doing fairly decent with it. But for the majority uh, of authors, it's not easy. And, and it is, you don't make much money. I mean, don't quit your day job, you know? Yeah, no, so no. It's I a totally, labor of love. Really yes, is. I totally agree. I'll just uh, give you these really short, quick facts. Um, I believe that this book would be a much better resource as a physical copy because then you can mm -hmm. kind of sift through like, oh, I didn't care about the menopause part, but then you can go back, um, look at it once you're like at that age, for example. But, and so that's why I priced the ebook accordingly so that the shift wouldn't be unfairly towards the ebook. Um, so Amazon has rules though, right? So like, and and as soon as my ebook came out, of course, people were like, what? I've never seen an ebook this expensive, but 
Um, so if your book is $9.99 or less, you get to keep 70% profit. Okay. Mm -hmm. If your ebook is one more cent than that. So if it's $10, $20, $30, whatever it is, you get to keep 35%. Okay. So even though my price, I think I forgot what I put it. Maybe it was at $26. I forget. I basically make $1 more than had I priced it at $9.99. Okay. And so people are like, oh, you're just going to get rich off this. And it's not, it's really because I wanted to shift people to get the paperback because mm -hmm. I mean, one, it's, I don't think it's fair to the people that you know, get the ebook for much less. And then the paperback, then, you know, are people paying the burden for the people that have to pay for the color paperback? Um, but secondly, like, I just don't care. Like Amazon is the one that's eating all the money. It's not me, but you know, it's the, the burden goes on the consumer and I feel bad for that, but it's just, that's why you see ebooks at 9.99. It's because yeah. I could have been like, Hey, I want to sell as many and get so many out there. And then sell it at $9.99 and make better profit. But, you know, I chose the higher margin knowing that, um, you know, hopefully the paperback will sell better. And even with paperbacks, they charge like 55% of whatever you sell it at, plus shipping, plus storage. I mean, it is insane. Like, oh, yeah. you know, and then that doesn't even cover, well, how much are you, you know, do you have to pay to make the book, right? Like, insane. So Amazon, that is yeah. why they are rich. Oh, heck yeah. And let me just tell you, if you saw some of my royalty checks, I mean, I didn't even cash them because it's too hysterical. So I save them to laugh at. I mean, I, is that sad? It's I believe sad. it. I absolutely believe it. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I get it. <laughs> believe me, but that's okay. I'm going to pre-order your book. I haven't yet, but I'm going to, and everybody, I will most definitely have a link below for it because I know it's going to be amazing. I don't know if y'all follow Judy on Instagram, but she puts up her graphics and she has these really nice, well-worded posts. And so I can't imagine the book not being amazing. Oh, thank so you. I'm super excited about it. Um, can you kind of go over some of what is in the book? Like, like, yeah, obviously, but what about the subjects? What would we see? Yeah. So I honestly, okay. So my editor was like, you need to cut down the book. This is way too big. Um, but I just, you know, again, had like a, you know, come to Jesus moment. I was like, no, I, I did cut some, um, but there were certain parts. Like she was like the lifestyle part, you know, like fasting, um, stress management, like that doesn't need to be in here kind of thing. You can make your second book. And I was like, no, I just want one book to kind of have everything. And so it really covers everything. So, you know, if you, there's like a chat, okay. So in the beginning, it talks about like gut health and the importance of it. Right. So you can take, and you can eat all the high quality meat in the world, but if your gut health is damaged and just because all of a sudden you don't have gas and bloat does not mean your gut is healed. Right. So, um, I have clients that even after eating years of just like grass fed, grass finished, a uh, nose to tail, they still have digestive issues. So they have to get on supplements to work on their gut. Um, because whenever they introduce something else, they don't feel well. Um, and so we talk about the importance of the gut and how your gut needs to be working so that your stomach can even break down the nutrients. So then, you know, you can make, for example, um, the nutrients get absorbed in the small intestine. So as an example, we need enough stomach acid to even digest our meats, right? So we need enough hydrochloric acid. Well, one of the precursors to make it is zinc and zinc is in our meats. But if our stomach doesn't have enough hydrochloric acid to break down the meat, then how are you going to get the zinc? Right. And so it's this kind of vicious, vicious right. cycle. And so a lot of people don't need supplements on carnivore. A lot of people don't need that gut healing, but for some of the people that come that are really sick, they probably do. And so it talks a lot about that. And then it talks about just toxins in our foods, like in general. So you know, what about food coloring, right? Like, why is it so bad? Or why is GMO food so bad? Why is glyphosate so bad? So I really took the approach of instead of this thought of, well, we should eat like our ancestors, like, like, to me, that's not a good enough argument, right? Like, I want to know here and now, you know, what is it? So let's talk about all the toxics, um, chemicals we use. Let's talk about like the anti-nutrients in plants. Let's talk about bioavailability of proteins. And then when you kind of sift through all of that, what you end up shaking up and having left is meats. 
And so that's when, and so then I talk about like um, nutrient density in meats and then just uh, how we even come to like, what is the perfect amino acid food um, profile food. And then like, I even talk about climate and, you know, well, what about factory farming and do we need to only eat grass fed? And I talk about all of it um, because again, I wanted to talk, make this book something that someone that either comes to a carnivore diet brand new or um, that has been trying it and has issues or that is just, they're getting so much heat from their, you know, their personal life that I can't believe you're doing that kind of diet. It gives them the assurance that what you're doing is right. And so that's like the first part kind of, and then it goes into like, how do you even start the diet? Um, I make carnivore cures, like an elimination protocol. So, um, it tells you how to do that. Um, how, what foods are safest, even within the animal kingdom, and then kind of how to start that weekly protocol. Um, and then it talks about like, if you were later to do a reintroduction of like what plants will be the safest. Mm -hmm. And then it also talks about mindset and eating disorders and, um, like all the lifestyle stuff. So we talk about stress and sleep and fasting, mm. um, a community, the, the importance of touch, like it's all in there. So, that is awesome. I mean, I know it's kind of long, but no. I don't think it's like a book you should read through at once. Maybe you can, but it'll take a little bit, but it's really like read through it all. And then when you want to go back and delve into something deeper, like the resources are there, there's end notes, there's citations, there's a bibliography, um, there's an index. So you can like, literally you can go back and learn as much as you want. I love that. I think, I, I think that's awesome. It kind of seems to me like yours is somewhere between Paul Saladino's and Sean Baker's book you know, somewhere, somewhere in there with lots of color graphics is because your graphics are amazing. Thank you. Now, did you do all of these or did you help have help with the? Graphics? Yes. So, um, well, to answer your first question, I actually didn't read Baker's book or Saladino. I helped Saladino with all his graphics, okay. but, um, I intentionally didn't read it because I didn't want to get, um, I guess, um, I didn't want them to persuade me in their writing and affect mm. my writing. So, I mean, gotcha. now that my book's done, I can read their books, but that's, I, but I have heard that comment a lot. I've heard like Baker's is more of like lifestyle. Here's my kind of anecdotal experience. And then Saladino's is very scientific. And so yes. I think, yeah, maybe, maybe it does. I'm not really sure since I didn't read both of theirs. Um, but in terms of graphics, yes. So there were some that we uh, got from other people. And so on the bottom, and you'll see the citation for that person, for anybody that we've used or um, we've adopted their graphics that so will have a citation of, you know, where it's from. And then, um, yeah, so either I made all the graphics or I had a support kind of help me to like re, um, repurpose images. But yeah, I mean, like all the table. <laughs> There's um, oh. at the very end of the book, there are tables of like nutrient density and just the whole profile. So like what's in a ribeye, the calcium, you know, all the oh vitamins, God. minerals, and like every single line, every single number I oh. had to align it. There's no magic table that you can just populate numbers. Like, yeah. Mm. So how long did it, did it take you to do all of this? Like, like kind of an estimate. What do you think? Um, you know, I think the writing part took a few months, but then the graphics took equal, if not more. And I just never thought that would happen. It's just, um, to make graphics, um, I guess friendly for a book. So the quality, so you can kind of get by with things not being perfect on Instagram. You can't get by like that on, um, um, on a printed book, especially in color. So there was, I don't know, like I would say end to end it. Um, completely took a little over a year, but I mean, I obviously I wasn't working on that only full time, but yeah, it took a year. Yeah. And I think yeah. the editing was a big part too. The graphics were a big part. And I, I say it's like, if you were to move into a house and you have to remodel the whole house. And if you've never done that before, you don't know like, oh, the plumbing has to go in before the paint versus the electricity no idea. And so I would do things. And then my editor or my graphic designer, or my layout person would be like, we need this. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I know, you know, but it's just, Oh, like, I do. Oh. I do. Yeah. I didn't know you did that for the cover too. Yeah. yeah. And y'all, let me just say this out of all those hours that she just talked about doing, if you divide that 
with what she's going to make per book, she is making like a fraction of like a penny an hour. Seriously, y'all, you have no idea. It is a labor of love. I'm not saying some people don't, you know, whatever, make some great money. There are some, I've known some, but it's a labor of love, y'all. That's all I'm going to say, but I'm super excited. I can't wait to see it because I think your stuff is absolutely amazing. So, you know, yay. I'm glad you did that. I know that was a lot of work, bless your heart, but no wonder you're so busy. It took me a while to get Judy doll. So here you go. Oh, sorry. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, you know, I I've heard, and I think this is true, but the only way to really make money as a author is to make multiple books is that's what I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. But it's definitely like, yeah, when I would get comments about, oh, you're going to make so much money off this book or like this price of like, you're trying to help people at that price. And I'm just like, you have no idea, like the, oh, on the other end. And, you know, the editor costs money, like every little thing, like even the little USB co- uh, bar oh, yes. costs money. The yes. ISBN number costs money. You have to register your book, the cover. Yes. It's, yeah. And you usually anyway. have to buy like 10 at a time if, it, if it's still oh, like yeah, that. Yeah. I don't know. It's like, oh my goodness. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's a, it's a crazy business. I just will say that. Okay. One more question about your book, the cover. Now I remember seeing multiple, uh, uh, renditions of it or whatever you want to say. Okay. What was that process like? Like what made you decide to go with what you did? Why, why did you keep tweaking? I guess that's what I'm asking. Okay. Um, Let's see. So we initially were, we were going to use like a stake with the kind of that like medical sign, you know, the one with like the, like the little stake and then the two snakes. Mm-hmm. But then I thought it wasn't drastic enough for people to see it and go, wait, what is that? Right. Um, but if you think about the book and if it's supposed to be a cure and, you know, the goal is to have no medication, no supplements, and you just kind of listen to your body and let meat do its trick with properly feeding and nourishing your body, um, then I think like a medicine bottle uh, makes the most sense, right? So then we tried a med, and I actually took that picture myself, the medicine. Um, and so my designer helped me to like clean it up. Okay. Uh, so we, we just couldn't find one that we really liked. So I took the picture and then, um, you know, we had it in different angles and it just looked best the way it is. Like we just wanted it to be clean Right. So like, I know red, black is so popular in the carnivore Mm -hmm. space, like this dark macho man. And it's like, no, like it can be white. It could be simple and clean. Um, And so that was um, so that's why we just, you know, did a little bit of variety. And then we asked a few people like, which did you like the medicine bottle like this way, like, you know, just downward or to this a slant or so on and so forth. And then we just got different opinions and that's how we ended up on the last version of the the way it is. Yeah. I really like it. I, 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 I like that clean look. I mean, I like the other covers too, don't get me wrong, but I really like that white clean look. So I think you did really good with with choosing that and going that way. I really do like that for whatever it's worth. I'll just say that. (laughs) Okay, well. um, You know, we had one where like the, the actual pills were circular and then it was if you look closely it was me Mm -hmm. but it wasn't drastic enough again because they kind of look like oh are those red pills you know so that's why we straight up just went with steak I mean it's the most you know it's kind of eye-catching like what 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 is that right so um yeah and I thought for carnivore cure like if your cure is in a medicine bottle but the medicine bottle has meat then like yeah so (laughs) Yeah, I like it. So yay, kudos. Okay, so uh, let's uh, move on. I wanted, we kind of had this little uh, discussion beforehand. And because sometimes the subjects you approach for whatever reason, it triggers people. But then again, you know, everything freaking triggers people these days. I don't even know what's going on. Very (laughs) true. But uh, sometimes I will kind of read through the comments and I'm just like, oh, Judy, what are you going to even say or do? Uh, What what are your feelings about this? How do you deal with it? I I get a little bit of it, but I don't have the following that you have. So I, I I don't get as many, you know, backlashes or whatever you want to call it. Well, I think it's also because you kind of really come off sweet. So I don't know if it's that too, but no, but um, you know, like 
As a consultant, I worked with C-suite level people. So CEO, CFO. So at a very young age, I had to get over the fear of, oh my gosh, this person is bigger than me, better than me, makes tons of money, um, educated, whatever it is. Right. And so I came into the nutrition space. Um, you know, some people are like, you just have this flimsy piece of paper called a certificate. Fine. So be it. Right. But yeah, I'm not an MD, but I did study pre-med. And the thing is, I don't care what your letters are. Honestly, like sick care is not helping us right now. And so mm -hmm. the beauty of me actually not being um, tied to a, you know, board where they are like, you'll take away your license or whatever it is. Yes. I could speak my truth and it's like, Hey, I'm not a doctor. So take away <laughs> my Instagram. I don't know. You know what I mean? All um, right. But I've seen look like when I was sick with my eating disorder, I, it was not fun. Um, I had everything I wanted materialistically, physically, mentally. I, there were days I did not want to wake up and I almost lost my son and just so many mm. things. And so I don't want anyone to go through what I did. If I learned about like keto, like earlier than I learned it, um, my life could have been so much different even earlier on. And then same with my mom and like maybe not having lost my grandma from diabetes. So if I can share truth and it could definitely be my truth, but if I can share enough um, information that then you can then figure out what works for you, that's like really why I'm here. Right. So it's not to be cool. It's not to get a ton of fault. Like, I don't care. Like I've had that in the consulting world, traveled the world, blah, blah, like whoop de doo Right. Honestly, um, and so I will speak truth. If I think the repeat diet's a joke, I'm going to say it. And yeah, I think it's a little bit of a joke, right? He is a smart guy, lots of good information, but you do not need carbs for thyroid health. I'm sorry. Like we can talk about that, but so I am willing to even push the status quo even more than maybe the average carnivore does because I'm really here just to educate. I am not a lifestyle blogger. I'm not trying to be like, look at my life. Look what I eat. It's so cool. Like, I don't do that. Like, that's not my role in the community. And that's why I don't share a lot about my personal life, um, pictures of me, because I'm really here to educate. And you can take with that, whatever I say, the citations I give you, and then say, you know what, let me read into it. And then say, you know what, I disagree, right? Like, I didn't learn about raping and go, what a crock of crap without understanding I immediately joined groups, try to read and understand like where, where are they coming from? Right. So I, I think that's really like, it's really just to plant the seed and then to start a dialogue. And if, and I get a lot of heat for it. Um, if people aren't willing to talk, then it's just, it's more them than me. And I mean, it, it took a while to get here and there are days where it does suck, but I know that there's a reason why I'm here and it's not for popularity to kind of push my own agenda. Like I don't care. Um, yeah. So, you know, I'm willing to do it. And I know that like vaccines and other conversations is tough. I'm not super anti-vaccine. I'm just like, Hey, before you just inter um, inject yourself with all this stuff, you know, just like, you know, that food, maybe grains aren't that great for you. Maybe vaccines have some harm that maybe you shouldn't get all of them at once, or maybe you should spread it out, or maybe you should, you know, consider for your sick kid that maybe they don't need it, you know, like, but it's again, to start the dialogue, because we have been so brainwashed in so many parts of our life. And the only way for change is to educate ourselves. Yes, yes, yes. And, you know, I like repost a lot of your stuff, because it's amazing. And I love you. So I post your stuff. And <laughs> I get heat for it. And I'm like, <laughs> what is going on with this? You know, it's like, well, I used to like following you, but now you post this. So I am going to unfollow you. And I'm like, wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry if I put something out there that I thought was good information. I'm not saying even that I agree with it or not, but it makes people think maybe you'll yeah. go research it. You don't have to believe me. You don't have to believe Judy, but you know, it gives you a question, you know, for you to go find out for yourself. And that's what we should be doing. We shouldn't, you know, just buy into everything we hear. We should experience it ourselves, or do research or whatever. And uh, yeah, that's so frustrating to me. And, you know, I, I would think um, all the carnivores would really take that to heart because 
Otherwise, why are they following a carnivore diet, right? Obviously something in standard care status quo wasn't working. So you are willing to try an all meat diet, which so many people think is crazy. Um, So then what if we've also been deceived in other areas, right? What if, yeah. And so I just think um, it's good to be open. It's not to say this, you know, I'm not dogmatic where like X, Y, Z is the answer. I don't have all the answers. I don't Mm -hmm. know. But do your research, you figure out what works for you and what's best for you, right? Like that's that's really the goal for Optima Health is figuring out what works for you and is sustainable for you and your family. It's not what I say. Like, how do I know what your lifestyle is, right? So yes, yes. <laughs> that's what I love. And that that's kind of where I come uh, approach things is that, you know, just because something may work for me doesn't mean it's going to work for you. And that's okay. That's fine. Yes. You have to figure it out. But how are you going to figure it out? Even as a coach, and, and I'm talking to clients, I can't tell them exactly what's going to work because I don't have their body. I don't right. have their experiences. I can just kind of give a starting place or what I think might be happening, but they have to do the experimenting. They have to figure it out. And And I I think honestly, part of the problem is um, we hear about the carnivore diet as this like magic pill diet. It like Mm -hmm. heals everything. It's like the diet for weight loss. You're going to have six pack abs. And so people kind of expect that. And then Mm -hmm. when they don't get it, and I'm telling you, most of my clients are very sick and they're on carnivore and they realize it's not this magic pill. Um, you know, it it does magic and wonders. I totally agree with that, but it's not going to give you that like two weeks you're good. Right. Um, and I think a lot of people expect that. And so then they get disappointed in the diet. And I think that's one of the fallacies we need to break about carnivore, because if we break it, then people have more realistic expectations and then they won't be as disappointed. Right. So if Mm -hmm. I say, Hey, it might take you six months to get fat adapted, um, enjoy meat, and then really find your balance. They have to expect that instead of one month, you're good, right? And then like even Rogan doing it for just a month saying it was wondrous. That's great. It's great publicity. But again, it gives you that one month and I'm going to be good, right? And it's just, no, we have to do it a little bit longer than that for a lot of us, especially if we come with metabolic disease or mental health or whatever it is, right? So um, I think it's really, we should be realistic. And then as we're realistic, there's no one answer fits all two pounds of meat doesn't work for everybody. Um, We need to find what works. Some macros are different. And I get those questions all the time. And I never answer for them. I say, you have to figure out what's right for you. Because I don't eat the same way I did in the beginning, like what I did in the beginning doesn't work now. Um, And so again, it's not that I've changed. It's just, you know, I'm working with my body and my body is saying it wants something different. Yes, yes. And you are absolutely right about that because people are expecting that because it is touted at that. And I get it. And, you know, for a lot of people, it is a miracle for them, but it doesn't mean that it's just going to magically transform somebody, like you said, in a month. You know, and that's kind of one of the things I kind of work into the coaching is like, Okay, now here's the thing, though, not everybody has these immediate results, you know, and so I have to kind of prepare them for that and, and just tell them, you know what, this isn't a race, this is supposed to be like a lifelong thing, this this is your health, it's never, it doesn't have an end date like a diet does, so it's okay, just relax, it'll happen when it happens, do what you know is right for your body, you're going to start feeling better, and it's all good in the end, you know, (laughs) it's like, And, you know, honestly, that's why I think I get so upset when I hear also that like we should be eating only nose to tail grass fed grass finished Mm -hmm. because it's not real. I get it right. Regenerative Mm -hmm. agriculture. Mm -hmm. I talk about in the book. I get it. But realistically, if everyone ate regenerative agriculture meat, there wouldn't be enough meat for everyone to eat. If literally everybody in the world ate regenerative agriculture, right? Like it, it's not enough meat. Um, And also, so does that mean we can never go outside and eat? Like we can't go to a restaurant, we can't eat with Mm -hmm. friends. Like it's unrealistic. And so Mm -hmm. that's where I keep pushing in the book. It's like, you have to find your balance, right? So I know that maybe plastic isn't ideal, but sometimes we still use plastic. Like, Mm -hmm. sorry, you know, like this is life. And I have to assume that at least since we're eating meat, um, we're, we're reducing a lot of the toxins we eat as foods, right? So 
it's really about balance and finding what works for you. And it's not about perfection because I think a lot of this new, like grass fed, grass finished meat and nose to tail and whatever else it is, it kind of detracts people from wanting to do carnivore or stay carnivore. Cause they're like, well, I can't afford that. I can only afford grocery meat. So therefore this diet doesn't work onto the next. Right. And it's so sad because like you said, meat has so many healing powers and it's so unfortunate because I think it is the optimal diet. I really do. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you. Oh goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. The, I, I want to touch on this a little bit because it, having an eating disorder really affected my life a lot. And I feel that it had a huge impact on your life. Do you mind talking about that? Absolutely. Because I I think, you know, 2020, it's like eating disorders, whatever, you know, it's onto the body perfect or whatever they call that, you know, body positive movement. And it's like, you don't really hear so much about it. It's almost so common that it's treated like it's no big deal. Not a big deal. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's really unfortunate. I hate that people go, oh, I binged off like certain TV. I know it's like become mm-hmm. modern talk, but I remember in our therapy, they're like, you cannot use that word. Like in mm-hmm. just normal lingo, you cannot use the word. I binged on um, a TV show the other day. Like it's just because you're basically um, undermining the like disease of binging. Right. So um, wow. I, that made sense. It stuck to me. So I never used the word. I binged off something because I mm. out of respect. And I know it's such a technicality, but yeah, but yeah. I agree. Wow. I think it's um, becoming very commonplace, which is almost making it seem like it's not a disease, but it is a, um, a tough disease. And I don't know what specifically you wanted me to talk about, but what I'll say is I think with any addiction, and so I talk about this in the book, like I talk about addiction and how it's defined in the psychology books, um, the manual to define mental disease. Eating disorders is not considered the same as any other like addiction because, and I don't know why um, I talked through about it in the book, but it fits every single category or criteria. I don't know if they don't want to acknowledge it as fully like disease. I don't know, but if you think about every addiction we have, whether it's to drugs, um, coffee, even uh, like any kind of addiction, right? Alcohol, smoking, the way that we deal with it is by abstaining. So it's just out of our life. We mm-hmm. deal with the kind of cravings, but as long as we don't touch it, the easier it gets. You can't do that with food, right? Mm-hmm. Um, every day, like I remember after getting out of like an intensive eating disorder facility, um, it, we had to do this like intuitive eating and like writing down and making it a very methodical process to become aware of our body and our hunger cues. And it was just every time we had to eat, it was this a little bit of anxiety because you have to basically dabble in your addiction, right? So it's like telling an alcoholic, okay, today you can have one ounce of alcohol, but that's it, right? And it's just, it's, it's extremely hard. And this is why I used to argue to my husband that I think an eating disorder is probably the hardest addiction to overcome because it's so revered by the communities, right? Let's go celebrate. Let's go have some ice cream. Um, Let's go out as a, let's get together. Let's go out and eat dinner, right? Whatever it is. Um, And everything is revolved around food. And so when that is your addiction, like how do you overcome that? Right. Um, And then on top of that, people think just stop eating, stop binging, stop purging, stop, Um, just eat a little more, whatever it is, right? Like that's the simple answer to an eating disorder when it's so much more deeper than that, right? It's, it comes from like a place of control, a need of being out of control. So then you kind of, or it's a scapegoat, whatever the reason it's an addiction. Okay. And so for me, the best way to finally get over it, I mean, the therapy helped the cognitive behavior therapy, all of that worked, but eventually the sugar eventually got me and then I would end up falling. Um, And I really think the last bit was just cutting the sugar. So now I don't crave it. I, you know, like my husband still eats junk food. Um, It's all over the house. I don't have an issue with it. I did in the beginning. So there was like none in the house in the beginning. Um, But you just have to get there where you don't see sugary foods or carbs as a food. And that was the only way for myself um, and with an abstaining personality to 
let go of the food addiction, right? Was to kind of cut out foods that are addictive to me that I notice, oh no, my head spinning. I feel that, oh wait, just a little more, whether it's even with cheese, right? So I've learned that the best thing for me to do is treat it like a, um, like a drug and just abstain from it. And so that's why I abstain. I abstain from any bit of sugar, including fruit for me. Cause again, I know my bio individuality and fruit, that fructose may trigger me or the honey may trigger me to want to go eat ice cream. I don't know. But, um, and that is the best way to, for me to say that I've overcome having a massive eating disorder for like 12 plus years, mm. um, really bad where it was so debilitating that my son was taken away from me at the age of six months. So, and I had to go get care for 10 hours a day while he was being taken care of by my mom, um, 1800 miles away. So it is such a dangerous disease that, um, yeah, we need to talk about it more. And I think in carnivore, um, I know there's a little bit of that, like orthorexia where people are like, these are my safe foods. These are all I'm going to eat, but mm -hmm. we need to heal our relationship with food. Like carnivore is not the sole answer. Um, it will help you a lot. But if you feel like you eat a little bit more meat and you're going to gain weight and now you're kind of fretting, there's something still there and you need mm -hmm. to fix that. And so for me, like, I don't have that. Like some days I eat two pounds, some days I eat like one pound and some days I eat a little less and it's more fat and I'm okay with it. Sure. I'd love to be a little bit thinner to when my plant-based days, but my, my mental health, my life is so much more important than, um, that struggle I used to be being like a size zero, like would never trade for that ever. I hear that so often, but yeah, that, that, yeah. Wow. Okay. So what exact disorders did, did you have? Was it binging or how did you classify it? I guess not that you have to, but no, 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 I know. So, um, <clears throat> um, so eating disorders kind of evolve. So mine actually started as binging. So there was a point where I probably gained like 30, 40. So I finished college and I didn't get a job right away. And I remember feeling kind of depressed. So I would just lay in bed and just binge. And um, I remember gaining like probably like 30 pounds. So I wasn't ever overly like obese, but you know, I definitely had the tendencies. I just like stuffed myself until I felt so sick and I just pass out and then I'd wake up and then do it all over again. Right. Um, and then, so in a very short period, I gained a lot of weight. Um, and then I don't even know how it happened, but, oh, I think I did some, like, I did a lemon detox and then I had lost some weight and I was like, oh my gosh, like that doctor says, don't eat meat. Cause it just, you know, putrefies in your stomach. And so that's how I went plant-based. And then I started losing weight and it was kind of like this, um, you know, the, this is the danger of compliments, but the community would be like, oh my gosh, Judy, you look so good. Like you lost so much weight. Right. So then it like. I needed to keep it and further that like, yes, I'm like going to show that I'm thin. So anytime I felt like I started overeating, I noticed that I would then start to find compensating behaviors, whether it was laxatives, um, literally throwing up or, um, you know, purging or, um, or over exercising or, or just not eating. And so there were days I would go after like a big meal, I'd go to the gym for like two, three hours. And I had work the next day and it's like two in the morning and I'm on, on the elliptical and I'm like, no, I have to like burn it off. Right. Um, yeah. But I'd end up binging because I wasn't nourishing myself with the right, like I wasn't eating meat then. Right. So mm -hmm. I would eat all this like salads and stuff, but since I wasn't nourished by night, I'd be hungry. And then it would kind of trigger a binge. And then I'd eat all this like fatty junk food. Um, and then I would have, and then, you know, the compensation comes in your mind. Like I have to do something, which I see in our carnivore community. I overate in a meal. So now I'm going to do extended fasting. No, like that's not the way to use fasting. Right. So you have to know yourself and like why you're using fasting or, you know, these eating disorder kind of like tips and tricks. Like I've been there. I know all of them. Um, and you just have to be very like aware and, you know, you're only kidding yourself. Like you need to heal so that you can really live your life. And I can tell you an eating disorder is so mentally, it's like a jail cell. So I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I totally relate with all that. And it sounds very similar to what I went through. So I totally get that. Okay. So you kind of touched on this a little bit. 
but like I've posted some things somewhere along the lines of um, food addiction is like, you know, alcoholism or, you know, Mm-hmm. drugs or whatever, you know, there's the, a relationship between, you know, these serious subjects and, Ooh, you talk about some backlash on that because people are, how dare you compare, a, a, you know, some minor, like a food addiction to drug addiction. But here's the thing. I talked to people who have been both a food addict and a, a you know, on drugs and, alcoholics or whatever. And they said that, that breaking that food addiction was harder than any of that other. What are your thoughts on that? That's interesting. So in my stint, um, so I had to do like an extended outpatient care, which was like 10 hours. So you do your meals in there and that is the like worst experience of your life. Cause you have to eat in front of like therapists and they kind of like say, don't do that. That's like, um, an eating disorder behavior. And then you just get super criticized And then you're eating with all these other people that have different deficit disorders. Anyways, it is so, so taxing mentally. Um, And then, but you do like group therapy, you do art therapy, you talk about like, where is this, what's the source of the eating disorder? So you learn a lot about you. I think everyone should get therapy for themselves, right? Everyone can improve. Um, And so when I went to the more kind of just outpatient care, it's like four hours. um, I met a lot more different people that are not, don't need the full care. Anyways, I would say half of them had a drug or alcohol addiction as well. And so it's a lot of times people let go of the alcohol and drug, and then they turn to food because they need still that addiction to cope with life at the core of a lot of addictions. It's this loss or this need for something. Mm -hmm. So it's either like, you don't have that like community support or the love or that, you know, you're trying to fill the void. So you use an addiction to then not have to deal with it. Right. So after work, finally, you could decompress and instead of filling yourself with like love or whatever it is, you use the food. And if you can't use alcohol now, now you use food. And that's why, that's why you see a lot of people that quit smoking, um, gain weight. It's not the freaking nicotine that's making you gain weight. It's because you're swapping one addiction for another. And the thing is the food addiction is so dangerous because it affects your health, right? Your mental health, your, you know, chance of getting heart disease and metabolic disease. Um, It really should, again, go down to figuring out like, what is it that you're turning to these addictions for, right? Are you just kind of, you know, easing pain? Are you trying to avoid numb? Do you hate your job? So then you just kind of make yourself feel sick after so you don't have to think about anything and you pass out, right? If those are the reasons, then maybe it's time to change the job or maybe, you know, something. I I know it's not that simple, right? Um, But some people, it's like they don't have control in their life. So the one thing they can control is like food or they can control, you know, like whatever they put in their body. Um, Again, I, I, you know, I think people that know only about alcohol addiction or drug addiction, first of all, they have not read the psychology handbook because it's exactly the same as for food addiction. And I put the, I literally put the criteria in the book because I felt like eating disorders don't get the um, acknowledgement it should because it's a very serious disease. And actually anorexia is the number one disease of mental health that people die from. So- Wow, I did not know that. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, some of the ugliness that I got from some posts like that, I'm just like, holy cow. But I mean, you know, it it makes sense. And the other thing too, about food, it's in your face all the time. I'm I'm not saying alcohol isn't in the face of, you know, some people, but they're going to avoid like bars. And usually most family members or friends are going to be kind of careful and you don't see it all over TV. You you don't revive your life around it. You don't celebrate. Well, some people do, but you know what I mean? It, yeah. it, but food, it's encouraged, I mean, yes. you know, and when you're not eating certain things, oh, it's not going to hurt you. Would yes. you tell an alcoholic, you know, oh, just one couple drinks on the weekend's not going to hurt you. Oh, what's going to be the harm? Oh, uh, well, a lot. <laughs> right. No, that's you know? exactly it. Um, you know, a lot of people um, just psych psychologically when they're like eating, they order the dessert. Um, cause when I was plant-based, I tried not to eat a lot of sugar too, but, um, I remember my, you know, coworkers, cause we had an unlimited amount we could charge on the cards. 
um, they go, come on, just eat the dessert. It's not going to kill you. It's not going to make you gain five pounds, you know, and like they kind of bully you um, Mm -hmm. to have that food. And they would never do that if they knew you were an alcoholic, right? Mm -hmm. They would never go, come on, just have a sip, like stop being a party pooper, right? Like they wouldn't do that. But this is why it's so important to talk about these eating disorders. And honestly, in the Asian community, there's this like stigma of perfectionism, minority, um, you know, kind of like more passive and, and it's just the eating disorder is very rampant for the same reasons, because Asians are expected to be very thin. And I'm just, you know, I hit it for so long, because it was such a pride to me too. But I'm speaking out about it, because I think it's, it should be spoken out like you're not the only one suffering and you should actually get help. And this is not something that's worth living with. It's, uh, you know, it's something to like get help and trust me if I can heal from it. And I never thought I could. Um, I never thought in my mid thirties, I would be like sick and, you know, I got over it. And so it's possible for anybody. Absolutely. I guess I'm blessed that mine didn't progress too long um, because my, well, now husband at the time I was in high school and we're high school sweethearts. I was 15. And so that's when my eating disorders kind of started was like right around the age of 15. And I hit it. I don't know how, but for quite some time, but he figured it out and he was like, no, this isn't gonna, no, you cannot do that to yourself. And he was like, I'm going to tell your mother. I'm going to do this and that. And so you better figure it out. And, you know, so luckily I hadn't got, let it progress so far that it wasn't, you know, too hard to, I mean, I'm not saying it wasn't hard, but uh, you know, it could have been a lot worse. So yay. And I did a lot of damage to my body in that short period of time, a lot of damage. So, you know, I think it's so important for people to still talk about that. So let me, let me just touch on this really quick. Um, The body positivity movement. Um, I absolutely believe that you should accept the body you have now. It doesn't mean it's, it's not okay to change or whatever, but I also don't think it's the, the movement itself. It's like almost saying it's okay to be fat because you just accept it and don't worry about the health or whatever part of it. Now I I'm not going to judge somebody because of their size or whatever, other than going, Oh no, I'm just, I'm scared for you health wise, you know, because that was me. And what are your thoughts on on that? Especially coming from the the psychology background. Sure. Um, I'm going to say some stuff that maybe people are going to go, I don't like her. I don't know, but um, you know, like I think, I worked with, in the consulting space, I worked with people that, um, I guess, before the millennial generation. And I I hate to say it's just a specific generation, but I feel like these days there's this accept all, um, Mm -hmm. no judgment, political correctness, like Mm -hmm. everything is political, you know, like, and then if, if someone kind of has an opinion, it's cancel culture, like, I think it's ridiculous. Okay. Like, (laughs) I think that you know, there is a reason why mental health disease and suicide is increasing so rapidly. And it is because we are not teaching our kids and the younger generation that you need to have grit, right? You need to know that, hey, you may not get your way and that that is okay. You have to learn to sit with it and experience it. But the way when we're like, body positivity, right? Of course, we should love our bodies. We're all different. No one should only um, fight to be a model size. That's not realistic either, right? Um, I think my body sits about 10 pounds heavier than where I'd like it to be. But I honestly think secretly, which I hate to admit, I think my body wants to be at this weight, right? I have to sit with it and deal with it, right? Um, But when we use the body positivity, and not everyone will do this, but if someone's like 300 pounds, and they're like, I love the, my body, the way it is. And if you don't, then whatever. Right. It's just an excuse, right? Like call a spade what it is and, you know, deal with it. Like if you want to eat your body and kind of poison it and then be that overweight and you're embracing that fine, but you're risking losing your life a lot earlier. Right. And the mental health that comes with it our bodies don't want to be obese. Um, That is a sign of sickness, right? Why do we do studies on rodents and stuff? And we see sickness and illness through like, they become obese, they become insulinogenic, whatever it is. So when we then start, you know, embracing people for being very overweight, um, we are embracing their illness. And that I think is not 
you know, supportive of them really. Like we should be telling them not to get model thin. I don't think that's healthy either, but to say like, if you have metabolic disease, that's causing you to be the weight you are, which is not a normal weight, then do something about it. Right. We cannot just keep shielding our kids, giving every single kid, like on a soccer team, an award at the end of the day. Right. This is what's going to cause mental breakdowns later. Like how do they deal with loss? Cause it is going to happen. That's life. You're going to lose either in college later or with a heartbroken relationship or a job in the future, or whatever it is. And then what? And then if you have a catastrophe in life, what do you do? If you accept everything as it's okay, like self-love, blah, blah. Right. Like I think people use the words like vulnerability to an extent that it's, that wasn't the intent of it. And then it's like, I'm going to share my vulnerability and share it with the world. And it's, not really directed and honest and that's not vulnerability right so these are the things where i feel like people leverage these kind of like positive um movements in a way that becomes like cancel culture you know what i mean and that's where i think it's dangerous um i don't think someone that's very overweight should be like i embrace myself i love it you gotta leave it if you don't that it's it's not healthy so if that person's marker showed like everything is good. Like their A1C, their, you know, CRP inflammation. If all of that's good, their cholesterol's good. Um, all their markers, I applaud them. Right. But more likely than not chemistry, biologically, that's not going to be the case. And so that's where I think these movements can be very dangerous. Right. Um, yeah, we just, we just like, I don't raise my kids like that. If they lose, they lose and they're crying and we let them cry. We're like, sorry, like you have to finish this or you have to experience this loss because if you're sad that you lost this game, there's going to be a lot more sadness coming to you. And you just have to know how to deal with it because that's real life. That's setting my son up to deal with life. And it's hard. It is. It is. And you know, the other thing being that I was a very large person at one time, it's uncomfortable. It's hard to find clothes that are comfortable, that look good. And I don't care what anybody says, you know, it's great that you love your body. I, I applaud that too, but it still is not comfortable. It's not comfortable having to squeeze into a chair, worrying about if you can fit in a booth. None of that is fun. I mean, yeah. I've been there. I can say that I've been there. And I, I get it too. I mean, so like I've worked with people that are, um, you know, like in my consulting days, I've worked with people that are um, obese, but I've experienced it myself. So like just going through the 30 pounds, I know it doesn't sound like it's the ton, but I experienced it. So like I'd be on the plane and on during my heavier days, like no one would help me with my bag. But as soon as I got thin, like the guys were like, you want me to help you with, you know, like the level of niceness uh-huh. like when I was heavier and I didn't care and I didn't wear the makeup and so on and so forth. Like the way I was treated, maybe it was a mirror of the way I wanted to be treated. I don't know, but um, I was treated much less nicely than when I was thinner and like people were, you know, it, it almost felt like they were at my beck and call the difference. Right. And so I get it. I get yep. how you see the stairs or you feel the kind of like, you know, the kind of judgment you feel. Right. Or even like when you buy certain junk foods. Right. And um, I remember like people would say, oh, are you having a party? And then I would feel embarrassed because <laughs> I knew I was about to go for a binge. And so I'd be like, yeah, like I'm having tons of people over. And it was like, in my mind, like imagine the shame I'm experiencing saying that it's a full on lie to this cashier. Right. Um, yeah. So I, I, it always goes back to the end of the day. Like you're the person that has to live with you at the end of the night, you put your head down and no one's there with you. And so if you are 300 pounds and you're, you know, touting that um, it's all about body positivity, but you're, like mentally kind of depressed or you don't feel good in your body. Like you're the only one that has to deal with that. No one else. So you could fake the world, but when you die on your deathbed, no one's going to care. And it's only you. And I hope that people will, this is where it's true vulnerability, but be your authentic self because you know, you may be popular. You may be big at one point in your time, but no one really cares. And the only person that should is you. And so yeah, if you're preaching body positivity, but you don't feel well, then I check it, honestly. Yeah, that's a, let's see, that is a awesome place to end. Is there anything else you wanted to say? Any advice, any last minute, anything? 
Um, yeah, I think really like the carnivore space has changed a lot in the last, I don't know, like year. Um, and then I feel like as I was heads down writing carnivore care, I missed some of the drama too. I don't know, but, um, I really think it's about listen to different people, but don't like write down every single thing. Like if a doctor says you need to take something and you're like, okay, I got to take that for this diet. Like, it's just it's not true, right? We are all genetically so different. Some of us win the DNA lottery and we could eat crap for the rest of our lives and live till 90. Okay. But the thing is, we don't know how we are wired. So do what works for you. And more than anything, our bodies have an innate wisdom and you should trust that. So there is a reason that if you open something rotten, you have that natural stomach, you know, like if you open a bottle of something and it's rotten, let's say rotten cheese, and it smells bad, you immediately have that scowl on your face and you feel that kind of like ups, like weirdness in your yeah. stomach. That is your innate wisdom. That is your stomach saying, do not eat this. This food is going to kill you, right? And so the same thing, if you're eating a certain way and you don't feel well, your body's telling you something and you need to trust that wisdom more than any doctor on the internet space. Anybody that says they've been doing it for X amount of years, that's great. That may have worked for them, but that does not mean it's working for you. If you've tried a certain way of eating with carnivore for like three months and it's not working, it's time to shift it up. And, and the best person that knows what's best for you is probably yourself. Just learn and then do what works for you. Love it. That's perfect. Love it. Love it. Well, Judy, it has been a pleasure. So fun to get to talk to you. And we are so going to meet in person because yes. we're like neighbors. <laughs> it's crazy that we haven't met up somewhere. It's just crazy. But anyway, I, I appreciate it. And I'm so excited about your book. Y'all, I'm going to have everything below. And hey, while you're here, subscribe to this channel and go follow Judy. And again, I will have everything below. So no worries. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This has been so much fun. Absolutely. Thanks, Judy.